Welcome, everyone, to the Thursday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I am your host, Tyler Crawley, as always, and it happened. It happened yesterday. We've been waiting for it. Everyone's been excited. And, of course, exactly what we thought was going to happen ended up happening. And that was Jerome Powell announcing what the Federal Open Market Committee had decided to do with rates. And yeah, it's exactly what we thought was going to happen. There, there's not a 75 basis point increase. It was 50 bips like we thought in a release that came out at two o'clock on Wednesday. The Federal Reserve issued the statement from the FOMC saying, although overall economic activity edged down in the first quarter, household spending and business fixed investment remained strong. Job gains have been robust in recent months, and the unemployment rate has declined substantially. I know it's a very weird dynamic. That, that was not the statement. That was my commentary on the statement. Back to the statement. Inflation remains elevated, reflecting supply and demand imbalances related to the pandemic, higher energy prices, and broader price pressures. The committee seeks to achieve maximum employment and inflation at the rate of 2% over the long run. So in support of these goals, the committee decided to raise the target range for the federal funds rate to three quarters to 1% and anticipates that ongoing increases in the target range will be appropriate. In addition, the committee decided to begin reducing its holding of treasury securities and agency debt and agency mortgage-backed securities on June the 1st, there was a second statement that dealt with the balance sheet. Treasury securities, the cap will initially be set at $30 billion per month, and after three months, it will increase to $60 billion per month. For agency debt and agency mortgage-backed securities, the cap will be initially set at $17.5 billion, and then in three months, increased to $35 billion per month. The statement reads, the committee intends to reduce the security holdings over time in a predictable manner, primarily by adjusting the amount that is being reinvested of principal payments received for securities held in the system open market accounts. Over time, the committee intends to maintain security holdings and amounts needed to implement monetary policy efficiency, or excuse me, efficiently, (laughs) It's not an efficiency, efficiently and effectively. So that's what they're going to be looking at going forward. Now, as I mentioned, the 75 basis points was the dark horse in the race. Could that possibly have happened? I guess everyone was thinking, but apparently it wasn't. It wasn't likely to happen. Jerome Powell was asked about that in a subsequent press conference. And Powell said a 75 basis point increase is not something the committee is actively considering. Now, does this mean that people are going to jump and say, oh, but he didn't say they weren't considering a hundred basis point increase. So is that going to be the theory going into the next rate hike? Powell also said he doesn't see a recession as something automatically following the tightening of monetary policy, noting we have had a good chance to have a soft or softish landing. The economy is a strong and well-positioned to handle tighter monetary policy. But I'll say, I do expect this will be a challenge 
it is not going to be easy. And he noted one of the reasons it's not going to be easy is the tools they have at their disposal. So the first point is one that we have made here on this podcast many a times. What does the Fed control? They have control over one aspect of how prices are set. How are prices set? Supply and demand. Well, the Fed can only control demand. And I'll give props to Jerome Powell for pointing this out at the press conference. He pointed out that there was a conundrum for policymakers because a major driver of inflation is supply problems with the central bank's tools only target demand. Now, of course, the number one problem with inflation, as we all know, anyone that has listened to this podcast or has ever heard a quote from Milton Friedman, he famously said, inflation is always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon. Too much money chasing too few goods. So that's always the cost. Nothing else. Sure, supply issues, obviously, low borrowing rates. Sure, okay, I get all that. But it is always too much money chasing too few products. And there is a ton of money that is out there. So that's one of the big problems that they are facing. Supply and demand, they only control demand. But here's the other problem. Powell noted, quote, we don't have precision surgical tools. We have essentially interest rates, the balance sheet, and forward guidance. They are famously blunt tools. They are not capable of surgical precision. I feel like he's sort of laying the groundwork for when that soft landing is not able to happen. He'll say, well, you know, (laughs) we couldn't be surgical about it. And it's hard. We talked about it on yesterday's podcast. Housing is just so hot in comparison to what's happening because you are seeing some cooling in most of the economy and housing you're seeing a little bit of cooling but not as much as you would expect considering mortgage rates have more than doubled in just a year in fact we're going to talk about that here in a second with regards to mortgage demand and so you're looking at that and you're saying okay you should have seen a much stronger pullback but you haven't because of once again the supply problem. All the feds can do is deal with demand. And speaking of demands, mortgage demand. It was Wednesday, so we got mortgage demand from the Mortgage Bankers Association. And (laughs) I was surprised. I think I even made a joke about, well, of course, mortgage demand is going to be down, but it wasn't. (laughs) Mortgage demand was not down. It was actually up 2.5%. That's a shock. It's seven weeks in a row. It was down. Eighth week, a little bit of an uptick. Very surprising. Uh, the And here's what's crazy. Refis were actually up 0.2%. <laughs> so even with rates well into the fives, still some refi opportunities out there. However, it's still down 71% year over year. The purchase index was up 4%. Big jump, and year over year, it's still down 11%. But once again, we're talking about where mortgage rates are, and it's only down 11%. I wouldn't necessarily call it a negative. People are trying to sell it as being a negative because it's down, but when you see rates more than double, and you're only down 11%, 
I wouldn't call that negative. Uh, just a reminder, the refinance share of mortgage activity fell again because, yeah, sure, ref refis went up, but not as much as purchases. They dropped to now just 33.9% of total applications. So I've been teasing mortgage rates. Now, it's also important to remember that the Mortgage Bankers Association is always from the week before. So this is the week ending April 29th. And they actually had rates. You ready for this? Falling. <laughs> they actually had rates falling for the week. The 30-year fixed fell one basis point to 5.36%. That is still, though, up 218 basis points from one year ago. The 15-year fixed did not increase, but it didn't drop either. It was unchanged week over week to four point or to stay at 4.68%. And that, of course, was still up somewhat from a year ago, 186 basis points. <laughs> it does seem like a somewhat when you're talking about 218 basis points for the 30 year fixed. And then because we are seeing more activity, we got to add arms to the mix. The five one arm average contract interest rate fell as well. Three basis points to 4.25%. This is however, not really increasing or decreasing buyer's interest in arms because it was unchanged for the week. Still 9.3% of total applications. Joel Kahn, MBA's Associate Vice President of Economic and Industry Forecasting, said in a statement, quote, the purchase market remains challenged by low levels of housing inventory and rapid home price gains. Of course, we talked about that yesterday with the CoreLogic report, all-time highs. 20.9% year over year. Uh, back to what Khan said, he said, as well as the affordability hit from higher mortgage rates that are forcing prospective buyers to factor in higher monthly payments. The arm share remained unchanged at around 9%, which is well below, this is so important, well below what we were seeing in the mid 2000s when it was 30%. <laughs> and as we also mentioned, the new ARM products also require you to be able to afford that adjusting payment. So no longer are they saying, oh, well, you can afford the teaser rate. They're saying, hey, what, what can you afford when this rate adjusts? So really, it's just about people saving money. They still need to be able to afford, assuming that that payment were to be higher, they need to be able to afford that. And that's another thing that I think is giving people some peace of mind and that we're not seeing the crazy lending. There's no evidence of the crazy lending that we saw in the mid 2000s, not even close. And then here's something that I'm sure is gonna be reported as negative, but I actually don't see it that way. And that, that's the thing you really gotta pay attention to. It's like we talked, I think we talked about it earlier this week. There was that headline where it was all oh, foreclosures were up 181%. But when you actually look at the numbers, we're still well below like the last decade minus the pandemic when there was a foreclosure moratorium, we're still well below where we've been for the last decade. And so don't don't believe some of these headlines because you know it's it's so fascinating. When home prices are skyrocketing like they are right now, you see all these home all these headlines about affordability. People can't afford homes. Oh my gosh, they can't afford these homes. This is a crisis. And then home prices get pulled back and they start to fall and people go, oh my gosh, home prices are falling. This is a crisis. <laughs> it's like, okay, 
What exactly are homes supposed to do? Now, I understand the answer to that is you want to see about 2 3% growth somewhere around there, kind of like the target Fed rate. 2% inflation, 2 to 3% appreciation, that's what you want to see. But it's just so funny that like when home prices are skyrocketing, it's a crisis, affordability is, and then when home prices get pulled back, now all of a sudden it's a crisis as well. And so like when home prices are skyrocketing, sometimes you see it through the lens of the of the wannabe home buyer. And then when home prices are falling, they decide to report through the eyes of a homeowner. <laughs> it's like, you guys gotta be consistent with how you're gonna report it. I like to give both sides, and we've said this many a times, is that home prices are very, it's a zero sum game. If you're a homeowner, you benefit. If you wanna buy a home, you don't. If prices go up, prices drop, you don't benefit if you're a homeowner, you do if you wanna buy. And that's the way you need to look at it. And so home prices going up, of course, are good into the extent that it's, you know, people usually that's their biggest pot of money. And that's the way we sort of look at housing. But yeah, the housing appreciation that we've seen over these last two years, that's not healthy. It's not healthy. But it's just kind of funny that we do need to see a pullback. But once that happens, everyone's going to report it as, oh my God, home, home prices are crashing. Here comes 2008 all over again. And this is another one of those stories where it's going to get reported as a negative, but I actually think it's the market working. See, we don't like to see the market work. It's why the Fed you know, has to do all the, use all the tools and do all the things it has to do because no one likes to see markets work because markets, there's up and then there's down. And so there was a report from Gallup that comes out every year and they talk to consumers about what they think about the housing market. And shock, but we've reached a record low for people who think it's a good time to buy a home. Yeah, mortgage rates have more than doubled. Home prices are at all-time highs. Yeah, it's not the best time to buy a home in the last 10 years. And I think it also needs to be looked at. If you're going to buy a home and stay in it for 10 years, 15 years, yeah, buy a home. I mean, if you're going to buy a home and stay in it for two years, then yeah, maybe don't buy a home. <laughs> I mean, that's you. Have, it all depends. So, I mean, if you're someone who's like, yeah, I'm only going to be here in this area for two more years, maybe it doesn't make sense to buy. But if you're going to buy a home, it's kind of like investing in the stock market. You know, if you're investing because in two years you need to pull that money out, well, maybe now's not the best time to invest in the stock market. But if you're not going to take your money out for 10, 20, 30 years, it's always a good time to put money in the stock market. Even if the market corrects over a 10-year timeline, look at any 10-year period, you will make money. Okay? That's the reality. And that's sort of the situation that we're seeing with housing. So 33% of U.S. adults say it's a good time to buy a house. That is down 23 percentage points from a year ago. So last year we were above 50. Now we're at 33%. This is the first time the number has ever dropped below 50% since they first started asking this question in 1978. And not surprisingly, young people are helping to, it was down for everyone, but young people are leading the way. Only 25% of 18 to 24 year olds believe it is a good time to buy a house. That's down from 42% last year. Only 28% of 25 to 50, 54 year olds believe it's currently a good time to buy. And 35% of older Americans think it's a good time. What's funny about that is that if you're 23, so you're in that, and you're going to stay in your house for 20 years, it is a phenomenal time to buy. 
because that house is going to be worth. But if you're older and you're at some, you know, let's say you're not going to be able to stay in your house that long. It's funny as these numbers should be inverted in that the older people should be like, oh, it's a bad time to buy because they're not going to be in the house as long. I mean, I'm just looking at the stats here and young people should be like, oh, yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but of course, young people tend to have less money than older people. And so that's where some of the problems also arise. Now, regionally, some good news here for us in the South. The South was the most optimistic with 32% of Southerners believing it's a good time to buy. The Midwest was the second most optimistic at 29%, followed by the East at 28 and the West at 27%. And here's another thing that's kind of weird about this question and the answers they got. So I would have thought, like I said, young people would be like, okay, I know they have less money, but if they're going to stay in the house for 10, 20 years, it's like the stock market. It's always a good time to buy. Poor people, or I should say poorer people, are more optimistic about the housing market than the rich. (laughs) I'm not kidding you. 33% of people who make less than 40 grand think it's a good time to buy versus just 27% of people making over $100,000. You would think that someone who has less money would be like, oh my gosh, I can't afford these houses. But no, they're actually, no, it's not a bad time to buy right now. And 29% of sort of middle income between 40 and 100,000 think it's a good time to buy. And one of the reasons that I was even more confused by this is that 70% of Americans think home prices will increase over the next year. Well, that's kind of weird because if you think home prices are going to go up, it's a good time to buy. (laughs) I mean, I get, once again, the prices are up, borrowing money up, I get it. But usually you would think that it would not be a good time to buy if home prices are about to drop because then you can get the home for cheaper. So they think home prices are going to, what what is the report going to be next year? Because home prices are going to go up probably year over year. They're going to slow dramatically and we're going to look at maybe three or 4% annual growth, but they're still going to be up. (laughs) So if it's 33, what is it? 33 now, it's going to be probably under 30% next year and then 54 percent of americans believe that housing is the best long-term investment it beats stocks which was only 24 percent. it was double more than double stocks and almost almost quadruple gold was only at 15 percent. oh and by the way in case you ask bitcoin was not an option so if you're wondering why they didn't say bitcoin so yeah we got home affordability at all-time lows it's not surprising that people feel like it's not a good time to buy. And on top of it, home prices continue to rise along with mortgage rates. Now, considering if you look at the actual data, which plots over the last almost 50 years, in 2008, it never dropped below 50%. I mean, think about that for a second. 2008 never dropped below 50%. And in 2009, it didn't drop below 50% at a time when we just saw a housing crash. And so now here we are at 33%. And I actually look at that and say, people's views on real estate have changed because of 2008. They now, you know, in 2007, housing doesn't crash. That's what everyone thought. Doesn't housing doesn't crash, but housing never crashes. It just goes up forever. (laughs) Housing only goes up. And then 2008 happened and people realized, oh my gosh, housing can, can fall like a stock market like other asset classes, they can fall. 
And so people are looking at what's happening with prices and it's making them uncomfortable possibly buying. But once again, this is how markets work. When prices reach level consumers aren't comfortable with, they stop buying. This did not happen in 2008. Prices were at record highs. Borrowing was going up and people were still buying. They had no doubt in their mind that housing would ever drop. And so they just bought, bought, bought. And so the fact that you're seeing people who are somewhat hesitant and like, yeah, maybe now's not a good time to buy. That's good. The fact that most Americans believe housing is too pricey is probably also a sign that we're near the end of the growth cycle, that people are finally pulling back. But it's also what markets are supposed to do. It's why they say high prices are the cure for high prices. Because when prices get high, people go, I'm not going to buy that. I mean, obviously, the products that are more elastic than the ones that are more inelastic. So the, the necessities in life, gasoline, food, tend to be more inelastic. But the products you don't have to buy, you're not going to buy them. And so people who are like, I don't have to buy a house right now, aren't. And that's kind of, once again, the purpose and how you slow things down. That's how you cool an economy off when it is overheating like the one that we are in right now. So this report, while it will be reported as this horrible negative report, is actually not that negative. So keep that in mind. Okay, we got to go. I told you there's a lot to get to. We probably could have gotten some more stuff, but we got to go. You guys enjoy your Thursday. We'll be back here tomorrow morning for another edition of Markets and Mortgages. And remember, as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait. Wait.